Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, let your word come to us unhindered, uninterrupted by any satanic influence, forces, or activities. We ask that your word today would bring illumination, light. And by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will see, here and know what your spirit is saying to us right now. And our hearts will be flooded with so much light. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Turn your Bible with me to the book of John chapter 9 and verse 25. John chapter 9 and verse 25. All right. John 9:25. And I will take it my text for today's teaching from the scripture John 9 verse 25. Are you there? If you are there say oh, 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 oh. Amen. John 9:25. Can we all read together? Just give me one minute, let me get this for you. All right, thank you. That's helpful for my voice. John 9, 25, are we there? All right, let's read together. One, two, ready, and we read. It therefore answered, whether is a sinner, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Spirit of the living God, as I begin to teach your word this morning, open up the eyes of the people to see. Open up their ears to hear. And open up their heart to perceive. In Jesus' mighty name. There are three types of sight. And if you use the human being, the nomenclature of a human, you realize that what you are most accustomed to is your physical eyes. These two eyes. And what we used to call two korokoro eyes. And that's the most conscious part of your sight in the human form or the human body. But that's not all as human beings. There are three sights that every human being has access into. Number one is the physical eyesight, which is your two eyes. Number one. And that's good. It helps you to navigate the way of life, physically speaking. If you're going on the road, you know where to pass, you know where not to pass. You know ditches, you know where to stop, you know where not to stop. You know all of those things because of your physical eyes. But so also, as a human, you also have a spiritual eyes. The spiritual eyes is not very obvious. The spiritual eyes speaks of your spirit because the Bible says in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 that I pray that you're all spirit, soul, and body. So it means that man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. So we are primarily spirit. And if we are primarily spirit, then it means that you have 
a spiritual eyes. Your spiritual eyes is not very obvious. Not many people can see your spiritual eyes. You yourself can't see your spiritual eyes. But your spiritual eyes gives you ascension. It's the protocol required to activate and to see the deep things that men cannot see. One of the prayers that I've prayed all my life is a very simple prayer. And I heard it by Kenneth Hagin in the book, Following God's Plans for Your Life. It says, that which I see not, show me. That which I know not, teach me. For that which you have prepared me for, prepare thou me, O God, for it. Remember the Bible says about two important, interesting personalities. Isaac, pardon me, Esau and Jacob. One saw portage and said, give me food, I'm hungry. Another one saw the blessing. What you see is very important. When you're driving in the middle of the night, let's say 2 a.m., if you're driving an Escalade or you're driving a G-Wagon or you're driving a Toyota Dazun, old model, 1989, in the middle of the night, the kind of car you drive doesn't matter if the headlamps of the car are faulty. No matter the kind of light car that you are driving, if your headlamp is faulty, you're going to get into accident. The measure of light that you have requires the extent you go. If you're a driver and you drive very well here, yeah, you know that if the halogen or the, the headlamp of your car is dim, you can't go fast. You have to go slowly. Glory to God. Some days ago, my wife and I were driving and I have a very fast car. I have a Dodge, very fast car. I like to drive it. Just me and my wife, we go out together with it. And we realized that it was very dark. So I couldn't see very clearly as we were going. So what did I do? There was a guy who drove a Lexus. His, his light was like uh, floodlights, like halogen. So what did I do? He was ahead of me, so I went at the back of him. So everywhere he was going, I was going with him. I was navigating with him. I did not have the lights, but he had the lights. You see, that tells you the kind of partnerships you must have in life. <laughs> so I followed him through till I got to the mainland when there was now light and then I was able to go by but that's not what I'm talking about today what I'm talking about is that your spiritual eyes is even of utmost importance than even your physical eyes you know the Bible says that which we see now are temporal that we don't see are eternal so you have your spiritual eyes and it's very important that you know that you have that. In the realms of the spirit, there is nothing naked. Pardon me, there's nothing hidden. Everything is naked and bare. So you can see things, you can know things, you can tell things about your life because you have a spiritual eyes. That's not where I'm going to today. The third part is that you also have the subconscious sight. The sight of your subconscious. I'll give you a very good example. Um, one day I've shared this story before <laughs> I went to the barber saloon and I was having my air cut and they were playing this song I don't want to sing the song but I'll start it but don't sing it don't sing it so they were playing this song ah finesse don't sing it if you if you if you complete it for me and while they were singing the song I didn't know when I started singing it as well. Uh, he 
if I don't, no, 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 wait, 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 do you know for a second I have never in my life, I mean, if you grew up as a millennial, we used to have this um, books where you have songs, did you ever buy those books, you know, it has um, Westlife, it has lyrics, it has Cisco, Unleash the Dragon, you know, be cramming it, an empty street, an empty, look at them. But I never once read that song anywhere. But because it was in my atmosphere, it has entered into the spirit of my subconscious. And it doesn't need permission from me. Have you noticed that sometimes the song you sing the most, when you wake up, you sing up, you start singing it when you wake up. And some things you've seen the most is what you see the most as well. So you have that subconscious, the three of them, your physical eyes, your spiritual eyes, and your subconscious eyes. Now, if you're not careful, your subconscious eyes would always make life decisions for you. Because it is fixated on what influencers tell you. It's fixated on what the atmosphere tells you. It is fixated upon what you know the most or what you enjoy. But that is a limited life. Number two, if you're also not careful, you would make the life decisions with your physical eyes. And while that is okay, when you want to get married, you should be to look at who you want to get married to, to know that I want to get, I can't say, oh, I'm just going to use my spirit to know. That's part of it, you should. But your physical eyes is also important. Glory to God. I walked all the way down here because of my physical eyes. So it's not important. It's not like I'm trying to put that down. But there is a higher sight. Hmm. There's a higher sight. And that's the sight of the spirit. This morning, like I always say, you might think you know where I'm going to, but you don't. So let's now go back to the beginning of this text that we read. In John chapter 9 and verse 25. Let's go back to the genesis of the text. To now understand what Jesus was trying to say. When this text we just read was written. So now let's go to John chapter 9 starting from verse 1. John chapter 9 and verse 1. Glory to God. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 1 and I will read. It says, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parent, that he was born blind? Verse 3 says, and Jesus answered, neither did this man nor his parent sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Verse 4. It says, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can walk. Verse 5. It says, As I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6. And when he had said these things, watch this now, this is where I'm going to. And when he had said these things, is spat on the ground and made a clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. 
verse 7. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And other people call it Siloam or Siloam, whatever. Which is translated in the Hebrew called Sent. And he went and washed and came back seen. Now this text talks about a particular man who was born blind. And so the disciples saw this man who was blind, blind and said to Jesus, Master, Rabbi, what had happened to this man? What made this man look like this? Okay, we want to suggest two things. It could be either this guy's parents were sinners or this guy was a sinner. And so Jesus says something so profound because remember that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were always asking questions for Jesus. But this time around, it was Jesus' disciples that were asking him the question. What would have made this young man who knew nothing about his birth, what would have made him be born blind? Was he seen or were the parents seen? And Jesus said it wasn't the sin of the parents. Neither was he the sin of this guy. He says, but that the glory of God may be revealed in man. Now, what Jesus was trying to say in other words there was that we currently live in a fallen state. When Adam and Eve sinned, the whole earth began to re re rotate in a fallen state. And so it wasn't the sin of this guy that caused him to be blind. It means that the moment you... Listen, let me give you a, a very good example. If you take jollof rice, right? And you put it right here and you walk away. If you come back after one day or 24 hours or maybe 6 hours or let's say 12 hours, whatever hour, you come back to that same jollof rice, you taste of that jollof rice, it begins to lose its taste. Yes or no? Why? Because everything is at a point of decadence. That's how life is. That's how life is. And so Jesus was trying to tell the guy, in other words, that, hey, it's not the sin of this guy that cost him. It's not the sin of the mother as well, the father. It's that the glory of God will be revealed. But this is a very important part. And Jesus then looked at this guy, went on his knees, and then looked at the clay. And I want you to hear me very closely because I'm going somewhere now. Took the sand of the earth, Remember, it was from the sand of the earth man was formed. It took the sand of the earth, which was an indication and a revelation to the disciples that I created the earth and I created you. So Jesus was going back to the foundation of man's creation. Took the sand of the earth and spat on it. And then he made clay out of it, which was what we form as man today. And then he put it in the eyes of the guy. Now watch this. This is very important because what you would expect was that the moment Jesus did that to that guy, put a clay upon which the man was made from to his eyes, what did you expect? We should expect that the guy begins to see. But Jesus said something so profound. He said, go to the pool of Siloam, which is called Sent, and go and wash your face in that pool. The Bible says, and the guy went, washed his face, and he began to see. Now, wait a minute. The clay Jesus put in his eyes was not enough for him to see. Jesus still had to send him somewhere for him to see. This morning, the 
there is a befitting word for every church. There is a befitting word for every place. You see, I've preached many messages. I have many messages in my Bible, in my notepad. I read the Bible every time so I see deep things in the scriptures. I can come this morning and I can teach for you prayer. I can teach for you on faith. I can teach for you on giving. I can teach for you on next level breakthrough. Whatever it is, I can teach it for you. But there is a word that is befitting in the time and the season of the people. Particularly the people who have come together. You didn't wake up this morning, dress up this nice, to come to this place to waste your time. You came to receive a word for the now. You know, there is a word for the now that is required for you to enter into the now season of your life. And that's why in this service today, I have come to you this morning with a word for the now. And everyone who listens to the few things I'm going to say in the next few minutes that I have, I trust God that your life will transform with so much speed that you will look at your life in the end of the year and you will say, how on earth did I get here? Do you believe what I'm saying to you? So Jesus said, go to the pool and go and wash your face in the pool called scent. Mm. Until you go to the pool, even though I have put the clay there, you are not going to see. The pool participates in the process of your sight. If you want to cook or fry chicken, you can't take the chicken without oil and just put it on the stove or the pan, is that what you call it? Yeah. On the pot and cause it to fry itself. No matter how anointed you are, if you want to eat fried chicken, fried chicken, you have to take the chicken, put it inside hot oil for it to fry. No matter how anointed you are, you can take the chicken and then put it on the gas and begin to prophesy. Fry. Fry now. Fry now. I'm anointed. Fry now. No. There is a process required for that thing to fry. It's the same way in life. There is what you call the law of gravity, which means that anything that goes up must come down. But for there to be another law, you must superimpose another law, which is for the plane to take off, we must have the law of the lift, which then superimposes itself upon the law of gravity that causes the lift to happen. There are laws in the Bible. Listen, there is the presence of Jesus, which we love and we romance in worship. But there is also the principles of Jesus. The believers love the person of Jesus because the person of Jesus extends grace. You don't have to do anything about that. But to be truly successful in life, you need to marry both the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus and bring them together. Tonight, this morning, I want to show you, I keep saying tonight because I preach a lot at night. I want to show you from the scripture, biblical references, what I perceive in my heart. That everyone under the sound of my voice, or let me put it this way, 85 to 90% in this room right now needs to pay attention to. There was something else I wanted to teach. But this message I'm teaching you this morning, the Lord gave me this message this morning. This morning. And so I want you to listen very closely. Jesus says, go to the pool, to the pool called Sense. 
The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 14. Open your Bible, everyone, if you can. Let's look at that scripture. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord. I am married to you. I will take you from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Look at the next verse. It says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart. It says, it will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Remember the scripture when Jesus saw some guys who were lame? And Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. And on their way, the Bible says they got healed. While they were on their way to the priests. Look at me, everyone. In life, you get to a particular age bracket that there are certain decisions you are now responsible to start to make. Life is a non-transferable responsibility. When you grew up, you had no choice on who was going to be your biological father or your biological mother. You had no choice. You came to the earth's wula to realize that Yabisi is my mother. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I used to tell my younger, my elder sister then that my mommy is not my mommy. Did that happen to you? <laughs> not my mommy. You know why? Because of the amount of beating. One look, one beat. I said, my mommy is not my mommy. She's not my mommy. Find, tell me, I want to find my mommy. Help me. How many of you did that? <laughs> the secondary school or the primary school you went to, you couldn't make that choice. It was beyond your pay grade. You couldn't make that choice. For some of you, the secondary school you even went to, you couldn't make that choice. It was beyond your pay grade. You can say, oh, mommy, I want to go to Doregos. And your mom can only afford Ikire, Nursery High School. Even if they want you to go to Doregos, they are limited by their financial capacity. So you couldn't make that choice. You could also make the choice of friends that you had at a particular age. The friends that you had was predicated by or determined by the relationships your parents had. If you're from a very wealthy family, you are very likely to be friends with wealthy children. And if you are from an average family, you are very likely to be friends with poor children and average Amen. And if you're from a poor family, you are very likely. You are very likely. <laughs> you're very likely. You are very likely to be unliked. So you couldn't make those choices. However, you got to a particular age bracket that a life choices and life responsibilities were designed and chosen by you. If I do a little bit statistics here, and I talk about the university of many people, I'll be interested to know that for many people right here, even the university you went to wasn't your choice. It was your parent's choice. You see that? Ife, who are you? Great fair. 
I finished from that school. That's where you are going to. So you just continued their desires. If you look back, all the friends and the things that you have today, just take a little, a little bit insight into your life. It was determined by the choices of people out of a good heart, of a good conscience, but they might never even know or have the insight of God of how God wants to direct your own path. But guess what? Now you are in the age bracket where you can now start making the critical decisions of your life. But then, you are now leaving those decisions to chance. Look at me, everyone. The church you went to when you were growing up, you couldn't make that decision. You had to go to your parents' church. But in this season of your life now, I can count for you at least three choices. Because those decisions determined your year one, living on the earth, to at least, for many people, your age 25. And some people, to even 35. Now you are here, and you are about to make the decisions of your life. Between the age of 30, 25, whatever, all the way down, the most critical decisions of your life would now be made by you. And that determines from that age 25 or that bracket age, it determines your total existence for the rest of your life. And it also determines the existence of your children till they are that same age of 25. Do you see the circle I'm talking about here? Now, there are three important decisions that you would have to make. Number one, according to any no order, who you get married to. That's your decision. And there are some people here, their parents still made that one for them. That one is your choice. And whatever decision you make in that one determines the rest of your life as well. If you're going to live in pain and complain, or you're going to live in peace and joy. Number two, the jobs you take. The jobs you take determine where you tent or you pitch your house. It determines where you decide to live. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And that determines the ecosystem of your life. Number three, the church you attend. You know, I've been baffled all my life. I tell you the honest truth. How you would see a restaurant and you drive past the restaurant. There are people eating in that same restaurant, but you would say to yourself, I can never eat in this restaurant. Because, you see, there are restaurants beside Gotha. If you go to the slum, you go to the hoods, you see them there. But there are restaurants there beside Gotha. They are eating there. But you would drive past and you say, I can never eat in this kind of place. But when it comes to church, People do not know that it is as important that your soul is fed rightly. Because if your mouth is fed well and your soul 
is fed with rubbish, you will be spiritually obese. And when you are spiritually obese, you are too fat to run the race of life. So, what you hear is as important even than what you eat. Because what you hear would determine what you eat. Are you hear what I'm talking about? There was a time, I don't know if this happened to you, there was a time they said sardine was from mummy water. Many of you stopped eating it. Say, I don't want to eat mummy water's leg. But they created that narrative so much. You go to all those people selling um, newspapers. See that mummy water has come out with long, they now chopped it. That's what they put into sardine. They created that narrative so much, everybody believed it. Most people believed it. And that determined how they think and what they do. Glory to God. So you wonder, how do you make life choices? How do you make a choice that you had the power to make? This is not, you see that even in the cycle of life, sometimes when we keep putting the blame of our parents, oh, where I grew up, the way I grew up, the way I grew up, I was this, my parent this, my parent that. Now you have grown up and you are still making the same mistakes in your decisions. But Jesus said, for you to be able to see, you have to go to the pool of the saints. What does the saints there means? The people I have sent to you. I can put the clay in your eyes, but you have to go to them for them to, are you getting what I'm talking about? It is when they wash it for you, you can see clearly. So if that guy, think what would have happened. If that guy, Jesus put the clay in his eyes and God, Jesus told him, go to the pool of those, uh, to the sand. And the guy took the clay and walked away and didn't go to the pool. Would he have seen? But as Jesus put his hand on him, is Jesus not powerful? Doesn't Jesus have power? But would he see? So the reason why many people are not seeing is not because Jesus has not done it. It's because they are not in the right place that is sharing their word. They are, I'm telling you the truth. All my life, I've been very critical about what I hear and who I hear. And you see, we live in a generation where influencer marketing is not a thing. So some people are schooled by Jesus and schooled by influencers at the same time. So this morning, I want to teach you. Let me know how many minutes more I have, please. I want to teach you. Let me know, please. Don't just say. I can't keep going. No. I want to follow the protocol. So let me know. Very shortly, I've titled this message, The Efficacy of the Local Assembly. The efficacy of the local assembly. Go to the pool of the scent. <laughs> How many of you could choose your biological parents? If you're, when you're in heaven, you told God where you were coming to. He said, no, not that one, no. You could choose yourself. If we all had a choice, you know we would all come out from the same womb. <laughs> In your mind, you already know where you want to come out from. 
Even me, as I'm telling you, I know the person I want. Because <laughs> I want soft life. All this working hard, working hard. No, no, no. I just want to be buying, you know, Range Rover. I want to be buying, uh, you know, and I can do it. I can become a DJ and I'll just be, you know, eating ice cream and be licking gelato. And just, <laughs> it's soft life. I don't have problems. I don't have worries. <laughs> I couldn't pick that. Your location in terms of biological is important to God. Your spiritual family is of utmost importance to God. Believe what I'm telling you today. Write these three things down. There are many myths why people say, oh, I don't want to go to church or, you know, I don't have to be in a church family. Number one is that I don't have to be a member of a church to serve God. I can serve God on my own. That's anti-scripture. It's not in the Bible. Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock would I build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. There is a gathering of the brethren. The Bible says do not forsake the gathering. There is a gathering of the brethren. In the book of Acts of the Apostles, go check it out. You will see that the way, the power, the Bible says, and great grace and great power, the apostle gave heed for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. That koinonia, that ability, that ecclesia, was the force of God upon the earth at the time. Why? Because of the capacity to stay together in fellowship. And so people say, oh, I don't have to be a member of any church. I can just do my own. I can do... That's anti-scripture. That's you going against... Listen, the Bible says, Jesus speaking to the disciples, he says, if you... He told Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, he says, feed my sheep. He says, if you love me, then you will be, obey my commandments. Part of love that you say that you truly love God is the obedience to his word. And guess what? A lot of time, the obedience to his word doesn't come easy. Oh, yeah. But that's the high point of sonship. Glory to God. Number two. Some people say, I don't belong to any church. I go to any church I fancy. It's like saying that I go to eat in any place I see. Look at me, everyone. Can you be, can you have, God forbid, or can you have um, eyesight problem? You can't see clearly. And then they say, okay, let's go to the eyesight um, um, doctor. I say, no, I want to go and see a dentist. Can, can that happen to you? Or you get to the car park, you are traveling. You just get to the car park. And you say, you know, when you get to the car park, there will be different buses will be clean where they are going to. You just say, take me anywhere. You say, take me anywhere. Just anywhere where they go, just carry me and they follow you. Can you do that? But do you know, spiritually speaking, that's what many people are doing. They're just going anywhere. They're just, they're entering into one car park to another car park, just going anywhere. They're just going. That's why they are spiritually obese because let me tell you something. Listen, guys, listen to this. Very powerful. You see, why you must guard your heart, scripture says, is that when you feast on several things, and you see, the body of Christ, we're going through a, a precarious time. <laughs> Pardon me to use that word. Because we listen to all sort of things. And so, 
Sometimes, when faith is supposed to be seen in a particular area of your life, because you have heard something that negates that thing that you need to do, you are stopping yourself from entering into it because of what you have heard. And guess what? Let me say this to you. Sometimes those pastors will go to their pulpit and correct back what they've said. But because you are just chomping things here and there, you didn't hear the error of correction. When I was on campus, let me tell you something. I heard a great man of God come out. I was following him very closely. Then I won't mention his name. Said that, listen, it doesn't matter what it is. If God tells you ministry, this thing, go and do ministry. Forget your family. Forget your wife. A great man of God. And I listened. Of course, may I not forget my wife. I don't forget my wife. But I'm telling you, I listened way back then. Until his marriage crashed. His marriage. Then he came back and said, all the messages I've preached on this matter, delete it offline. But do you know how many people, thank God I wasn't married then, do you know how many people have heard that from that man of God because of the validation of where he stands in the body of Christ and people have ran off. I've heard people teach things that, oh, you know, just you, you can't see, even my staff, I have staffs in my company, you can't be my staff. And then I see you during lunch hour or doing, you don't say you close the door, you are praying. People close the door, in office. Moyo, moyo. Now, listen. I want to see. There is a, you can pray under your breath. You can pray. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you can't just come to an office space. And some people hear these things and teach these things. There's nothing wrong with praying. Don't forget, don't, don't get me wrong. I pray. But you don't, you don't cause, you can't be in the boardroom with your CEO and then you are making a business decision as a company and then right there before the meeting starts, you can pray under your breath. There's a way to do that. Nobody stops you from doing that. But it's not right in the office where everybody, come on. You are a student. Listen, every person who wrote exam it's not that they went to class and heard the lecture. And from that day, they did not go to the notes. They just went to write exam. If you heard the lecture, you must revise your notes. It's a process. Glory to God. Amen. But you see, this is how people are doing with their lives. Especially when it comes to spiritual things. Let me tell you guys something. Have you noticed that in the world, spiritual leaders form the shape of the mind of many people. I tell you the truth. Most of the things you know, you heard it somewhere. So you must, you must follow God when it comes to the local assembly that God has asked you to be in. Glory to God. Number three, how many minutes, sir? Just give me a signal. Let me know, please. Number three, I can serve God on my own terms. I can go to church gathering on special occasions. I can pray only when there is big trouble. I don't need to pray regularly. You know, people feel that way. People think that way. I can serve God on my own terms. I would only come for Thanksgiving, naming ceremony, crossover video, and inner. Last one, I can become a member of any church for any period of time, 
and disengage at my will. So I'll do three months here. I'll taste their food. I'll do it's like prostitution in marriage. Like I'll I will stay in this church for three months. Then I'll break up. When you see those signs, they are signs of inconsistencies. But God has a meal plan for you, believers. Listen to what I'm telling you this morning. God has a meal plan for you. God has something for you that is going to use to design. Listen, when you are growing up and you have a child, I have a little daughter. We are not giving her, we can't be giving her at the age of six months. We can't be giving her or father rice. Say so you can eat anything by the spirit. No, you can't do that. You have to give her something that she can eat. So also God has a meal plan for you. God has a meal plan for you. There's something God has that you must go through. There is God's curriculum for your life. Listen, everyone. If, listen to this. If your universities can have curriculum for graduation, how much more God having a curriculum for your life? If your university believes that they must have a curriculum for you to be able to certify that you are a medical doctor, you are an engineer, how much more God would he have a curriculum for you to be able to certify that I've called you according to my purpose and you do my will? So write this down as I close now. Pastor Victor, you've not given me time. It's at the back. Oh, okay. Write this down, everyone. It says, go to the pool called sent. Look at me, everyone. Who has God sent to you? What local assembly has God sent you to? I've seen how people make decisions of local assembly of choices and I tell you the truth, God has helped me. I'm a man who God has helped by his grace. Um, when I was on campus, I was very voracious with God. But I've noticed something about great people. I've sat with, I've sat in offices of governors. I've sat in top people in business in this Nigeria. I've, I've been with top pastors. I've been everywhere. And I noticed something that one of the hallmark of great people is that they travel very light. They're not everywhere. They're not here and there. They're not jumping from one place to another. They are very clear. You can't be running a relay race and be parking to buy Bali. They have, they have precision. They have focus. They have insight. They have foresight. They have insight. And so, I wasn't going up and down, hopping from one place. One of the critical decisions that I knew in my life, I knew who to marry, what church to stay in, where is my well, where is my own pool called Siloam, the pool of my scent. Where would my face be washed so that I can see? Look at me, everyone. Jesus gave him the specific pool that he must go to. You know, there's pool of Siloam, there's pool of Bethesda. Imagine he had gone to the pool of Bethesda. Would he have seen? He had gone to a pool, but he has misjudged the, the, the directions of God, even though he was in a pool. Hmm. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. Glory to God. 
the pool called Saint. Listen to me, everybody. Write this down, please. It's only those who are sent to you that can speak to the deep inside of you. It is only those who are sent to you. Jesus told the disciples, go. They said, to whom shall we run? To. He said, it is you who have the word of life. The pool called sent. Write this down. The church, number one, what is the church? The church is God's institution on the earth. And it is God's idea. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter, one, chapter 3 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. The church is God's institution on the earth. And it is God's idea. It says, I also say to you that you, Peter... And on this rock will I build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Number two, the church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of the church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. The church is God's idea. You see, when we, when we trivialize the church, listen, look at me everyone, let me tell you the truth. I, when I was growing up, I never wanted to be a pastor. In my whole life, I never taught you tomorrow. I'm telling you, even sometimes I catch myself that wait. Nice one, nice one. I'm telling you, nice, ah, then catch me, nice one. Ah, then try. But listen, it is God's idea. It's not any man's idea. So, all this, let's cancel church, let's cancel, we cancel. Listen, I'm a pastor, so I know what you're talking about. There are many filthies, there are many issues. There are many excesses. I've shared this story and I use it as a reference point. When I was on campus, I went to eat in HSLTB. They were having a, uh, I was, an, I was about from an university. They were having a conference. A pastor came to preach. A pa- he was a student. He came with 14 protocol. <laughs> and I counted them. I stood back out. One, two. One carried his Bible. One carried his handkerchief. One carried a part one person. They are calling him Papa. Papa. Part one. It will not be working like this. Man of God. So I know the things. And I know what it means to have church hurts. I know what it means to be offended. I know what it means to. But in the process of all of that, we cancel the person who institutionalized the same concept you are running to. The same God you are running to that, oh, I don't need the church. I can pray to him. Is the same person who institutionalized that thing. Is the same person who made the clay, put it on the eyes, but go to that place called saints. They will be the one to wash it for you. They will be the one to wash out of the pool that I've given to them. That's why the church pool must never dry up. There must be water enough to wash the eyes of the people. <laughs> Let me tell you, many years ago the Lord told me, the reason why people don't run fast in life is because the word they need to hear, they are not hearing it. My diet spiritually is very slim. If you are based and you want to diet, they'll tell you the things you should eat and you should not eat. If you have certain sicknesses, they'll tell you what to eat and you should not eat. It's the same way people just eat all sorts. Just take, you must have a slim diet. It's called spiritual discipline. That's how you are framed. That's how you are formed. That's how the angel of the Lord can pattern and shape you out according to divine purpose and divine plans. 
If I say, how many of you want to move fast in life? Everybody's going to raise their hands. But are you following the protocols of Jesus? The church is no man's idea. The church is God's idea. And guess what? When Jesus comes in the glorious cloud, on the last day, he's coming back for the church first. It's the church he's coming for. Because the church is the legislative council of our Lord Jesus Christ on the surface of the earth. And guess what? I have good news for you. The church is not this building. You are the church of Christ. And so every time we gather together, it's the churches that is coming together. You are the church. You are the church. But the churches are not supposed to function in isolation. It's together. The force of togetherness. That's why the Bible says, any one of you as touching anything, when two or three of you shall agree as touching anything, there must be an agreement. Remember the book of uh, Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were being disturbed by the priests. The Bible says they went back to their own company. Do you have a company? Do you have a spiritual company? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Number two. Number three. The church is the collection of believers. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Is somebody getting blessed? Yes, sir. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Look at this. He is the head of the body. Who is the head of the body? Jesus. Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Write this down. What are the... Mm, there's so much to say here. Biblical reasons why you must you should become a part of a local assembly. Number one, to obey the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Anytime you do that, you obey the word of God. Hallelujah. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Is there some people here? The some people are here. <laughs> but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Number two is to obey the commandment of love. John chapter 13 and verse 35. Number three, to identify with other believers. When we do this, we identify with other believers. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. By this we will all know that you are my disciples, all right? It says, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow what? Citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You must be a member of a local assembly. You must be a member of the household of God. And the same way you have no, I mean, you couldn't pick your biological parents, God helps you to choose your local assembly. Look at me, everybody. Let me say something to you. And I'll close with this. Many years ago, I went, no, two years ago, I went for a, a meeting. And there were old people in that meeting and young people there. So when I got on stage, there was a large crowd of people. So I got on stage and I started to speak. And I could see the old people looking at me like, what does this young boy, what does he want to come and say to them? <laughs> so I said something to them. I said, 
when I was saying that, when I say amen, the young people shout amen. What the other people, you know, people usually measure people. So, when I was saying that, I said something to them. I said, wait a minute, do you know that if Jesus was alive at this time, every one of us here would have been like a Pharisee or Sadducee because we would have missed him. How do I know that? Because at the age, Jesus started ministry at the age of 30. And he did ministry for three and a half years. So it means that Jesus lived for 33 and a half years thereabouts. And what that means is that some of the movies that you watch, Passion of the Christ and all of these things, the physique of the person used to replicate who represented Jesus must have been mistaken. Must have been mistaken. Why? Because what you see when you think of Jesus on the earth, the man who walked the Sea of Galilee, was about 40-something years old or 50-something years old. So when you see a young person who is doing ministry and teaching this way, they say, no, it cannot be that anointed yet. When you do not know that Saul was in front of Goliath but couldn't even fight Goliath, it was a 17-year-old boy, David, who understood covenant. Anointing has nothing to do with age. You can, be, you can be 180 and, and lack oil. <laughs> and you can, be, you can be 15. How old was Daniel when he went into Nebuchadnezzar's palace? When he went to Babylon? They were between the age of 16 to 17. All of them. And the Bible said they went to fish people who were wise. It has nothing to do with age. Long story short, when I said that to them, they were still... So we started flowing in the miraculous. As I raised one song, I called person out, somebody got healed, all of them. By the time I was leaving, they were coming, pastor, pray for you, they were leaning down. I said, ah, take it! They were not falling down, I said, ah, oh, like oh, It has nothing to do with age. Follow the leading of God. Yeah. Ah, if you, if you learn how to do this with your life, all your struggle, all the things you are looking, listen, we go to Dubai, many years ago, my wife and I went to Dubai, went to Aquarium. To go and see fish. When I got back to the hotel, I was thinking, ah, I left Nigeria to go and see fish. Fish that I can see in Udumota. Fish. But you know what we went to see? We went to see the brilliance of the fish. If you take that same fish and you put that same fish on the ground, the same brilliance of the fish that you came to see in an aquarium in Dubai, you put it on the ground, that same fish will struggle. Because God created place for man. He created Eden before he made man. You hear what I'm saying? He did not make man first then thinking, where should I put him? God has a place called your place. He creates that place first for you, then puts you there. What happens for many people, they want to be the fish, but they want to be the fish on the ground. No matter how much you stay on the ground, you will struggle while you are there. But if you enter into the water, sent for you, the same pool, sent for you, you are going to swim. And you are going to be a brilliance to your world. Listen. This is the secret of high-rising men in this kingdom. Take what I said to you today. Don't let people deceive you. Look at me, everyone, and I'll close with this. I'm friends with many of these influencers, celebrities, because the business I do, I run a, a PR agency in, in Lagos, and we work with them, all sorts of them. Don't be deceived. Some of them even have some depth than some people who come to church regularly. They are, not my, they are not your high points, whatever it is, but listen. Life 
is a non-transferable responsibility. You found the local assembly God has sent you to. Stay there. Serve there. And watch out God. Listen, I can share stories with you, but not today. And you watch out God. I, I tell you the truth, and I'm not saying this to, I can't remember the last time I've prayed for a material thing. Material. I want to drive car. I want to travel. I can't, I can't remember. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the protocol of the kingdom. And all of these other things will be added unto you. This is the secret of high-rising people. When God sets your heart to a local assembly, this is where I want you to stay. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter. Stay. Stay there. Fit there. And let the water of the pool keep watching your face. Remember the analogy I shared with you earlier. No matter how far you are going in the night, if your headlamps are not working, you can't go fast. But when you have the technician who can help you resize your headlamp with the right light, you go farther. Lift your hands to God and stand up and let's thank God. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.